The king is dead. Long live the king. Welcome to another episode of the Top of the D podcast. I'm Ross Bone, aka the Top of the D, and today I've got a very special episode lined up for you as I speak to the new England and Great Britain men's head coach, Danny Kerry, and I also speak to the England and Great Britain captain, George Pinner. And of course, at the end, I'll be taking another look at some of the best hockey partridges that you've sent in. So without further ado, let's get cracking. So you will no doubt have seen the news that uh, Danny Kerry is taking over the job of head coach for England and Great Britain men. Um, Since the departure of Bobby Crutchley from the fold in May, speculation as to who his successor would be has been rife. Um, The name that kept cropping up time and time again was that of Danny Kerry. And yep, it seems after seeing the successes of the women's team at the Europeans in 2015 and the Olympics in 2016, the people in charge of the men's side at Bisham Abbey have decided that they wanted to spread some Kerry gold on their toast and see if they too could reap the benefits. So after the end of the Hockey Women's World Cup, the worst kept secret in hockey became official. Danny moved from the women's to the men's side. Today we'll take a quick look at what went before and then we'll um, have a look and see what we can uh, look forward to under Danny's reign. So here we go. So before we start to talk about the new regime, um, I'm obviously going to speak a little bit about Bobby Crutchley, who, of course, occupied the role before Danny Kerry took over. Um, I'll probably come across as a little bit biased on this one, and that's because I am. Um, I have a lot of time for Bobby. I got to work with him a lot during my time working England hockey, and he's never anything other than a polite, kind, uh, gentlemanly, funny guy, Um, So obviously I'm not impartial when it comes to talking about him. Um, A lot of people associate Bobby's tenure with failure at the 2016 Olympics. Uh, Personally, I'm of the belief that that's a little bit unfair. Um, A lot of the criticism he received after Rio was a little harsh. In isolation, the 2016 Olympics was a disaster for Great Britain men. There's no getting away from that. Uh, Bobby himself would admit that, and the players certainly do too. Um, What I would say is that that's one tournament over a 13-year spell involved with coaching the side in one capacity or another. Um, If you look at the bigger picture, as first Jason Lee's assistant and then as the head coach, Bobby was part of the group of coaches which took England from 11th in the world to the top four, Um, helped them to go from being... Also runs to competing for medals on a regular basis. And don't forget, he was among Jason Lee's staff when England won the European Championships back in 2009. Um, As you'll hear when I play out the interview I did with George Pinner, 
Uh, Bobby made a number of contributions behind the scenes that we the public won't be aware of um, something George talks about and that I witnessed was, was Bobby's courage after Rio in carrying that job on uh, it'd be very easy for him to have walked away from it but it took guts to keep going and that paid off as his team picked up further medals at the, the Commonwealth Games and the European Championships before he finally decided in May that enough was enough Um I'd say as disappointing as Rio was, and it was, um, you shouldn't judge Bobby Crutchley's time in the England coaching setup or the England and Great Britain coaching setup on that. I think it's better to judge it on his overall contribution, which, in my opinion, was a significant one. Um, anyway, that's my two pennies worth. Um, you know, not everyone will agree. I'm sure I'll get some stick for it, but that's my opinion. Um, but I also did speak to somebody who knows a lot more about it, and that was the one of the current England and Great Britain captains, George Pinner. Um, so joined by uh, England captain George Pinner, um, we'll get George to react a little bit to Danny Carey's appointment in a sec. But first and foremost, George, um, just a little bit about uh, Bobby Crutchley's reign and, and what he did for the side and for you personally as well. Yeah, I think Bob did an awful lot for England hockey. I think people will maybe look at just the last six years, so kind of post-2012. But I think you've got to remember how long Bob's been involved. Um Obviously, he had his playing history, but then from my side, he was my under-21s coach from way back in 2006. He was then assistant to Jason for a long period, you know, a really successful period as well, where he, alongside Jason, helped take the men's team from you know quite a low position to World Cup semi-finals and winning that European gold medal in 2009. Um, Bob did some superb work with the Fords in that period and was a really key part. And then, latterly, um, obviously, when the centralised programme started, Bob was the first kind of men's coach to usher in that era and really had to kind of react to it straight away. I remember we came together as a squad in 2013 and it was only about a month or something before a massive World Cup qualifier. So to kind of have the success I think he did in that period, people don't really appreciate just how bigger achievement that was you know we qualified straight away from the world cup made european semi-finals world cup semi-finals the next year and then won that year uh, that commonwealth games bronze so i think he really did well in that short period and then i think we didn't go as well as we'd like but <clears throat> the work and time bob's put in to help us with our culture and so many things and really take this team on another level um finally meddling again at the europeans and obviously another bronze in the commonwealth games i think what he's done post rio for the squad has been huge Some great insight and some really great words there from George um, talking about the former England and Great Britain head coach Bobby Crutchley and his contribution to um, hockey in this country over the last 13 years. Um, whilst I had George on the phone, um, seemed only right that I should try and find out what he thinks of the new man in charge, um, get a little uh, insight into how he thinks Danny Kerry's introduction will go for his team, um, especially with the Men's Hockey World Cup looming large on the horizon. So, um, yeah, let's see what George thinks of the new boss. <laughs> Done and su such is the way with 
with top level sport, it's time for the players to get used to a new coach. So, um, Danny Kerry coming in, that must be exciting for you. Yeah, I think it is really exciting. Um, Danny's got a superb CV. Um, I think in terms of, in this country, I, I don't know about historically, but he must be one of the, if not the most successful coach, um, definitely that I, I know of. Um, winning gold with the girls uh, in 2016 was such an incredible achievement, but it, it wasn't a one-off. You know, he took a team um, following the Beijing Games and got them meddling really consistently leading up to that bronze in 2012 and then again the gold medal at the Euro. So it's not like it was just that one gold medal that maybe people outside hockey know for. He's got a, a CV of regularly meddling and even winning big major tournaments. So it'd be really, really exciting to bring that on board. And I mean, obviously, you know, the, the players will all know, like you've just alluded to, his, his record. So there must be a good feeling around the camp. You must all be like really raring to go. Yeah, um, definitely. I think whenever someone new comes in, um, there's obviously a bit of a nervousness about change and stuff like that. But there's also that's far outweighed by excitement. Um, post Rio, it was great getting Russell on board. Obviously, as a gold medal winner, as a player, he brought something new. And I think him and Bob worked brilliantly. And obviously, we got those two medals, as I alluded to, um, post Rio. But I think with Danny, he comes on board as a player. It's some new, fresh ideas. Um, might be a different style, um, different approach to training and stuff like that. And I think whilst the change can be a little bit daunting at times, it's really exciting because I personally really enjoyed the work Bob did with us. But it'll be interesting to work with another coach um, and see what they bring different and what they can add. I mean, obviously, uh, you're very close to someone that's been uh, been playing for him for a while. Has, has Joe given you any sort of tips, things to not say to Danny or not do? <laughs> no, obviously, she's, um, she's been fairly successful in terms of getting picked for stuff and obviously they've, they've meddled in a few tournaments obviously World Cup possibly didn't go as well as they'd like but no she's she's really enjoyed um, playing under Danny uh, and what he's done to help her and stuff so no there's, there's not been to, kind of too much conversation on that side of things it is interesting hearing about the training and some of the ideas he has obviously the Thinking Thursdays has been well talked about not just in hockey but like the, the wider public uh, and I think that side of things is really interesting and really exciting he's clearly a real hockey thinker for want of a better word and really knows a lot about the game and thinks hard about his sessions and the tactics he puts out there and that's come across from Joe and it'll be interesting to see how that translates with this team and obviously you've got um, you know a, a big sort of few months coming up with the, with the World Cup looming on the horizon I mean um you know, new coach, new ideas, things like that. You you must be really up for that tournament as well. Yeah, um, it's going to be really, really exciting. I think obviously going to Lee Valley and watching the Dales World Cup during our break period um, really kind of brought the excitement up another level. Like it was fantastic to see it being hosted here in England, those passionate fans. Um, we've played out in Booby National quite a few times. And it's been great um, playing there. Indian fans are really passionate, great noise. Um, that stadium's going to be even bigger and better. And obviously the competition's even bigger and better. So, yeah, really exciting thing to look forward to. Um, in this period between Bob and um, Danny, Russ has done a brilliant job with us. We've really been, every session we've got that focus of improving towards the World Cup. And everyone's there focusing on that, that first game and giving it a really good go. We came fourth four years ago and it'd be great to try and make those semi-finals again and see what we can do and uh, are you hoping that sort of Danny can can find you that extra percentage to, to sort of get you amongst those medals this time 
Yeah, I think so. I, I personally believe there's a lot of similarities between us and the kind of teams he's had success with. Um, so we're we're not kind of like a team that's never been there. Um, we've we've won uh, medals, we've been in semi-finals, but as you said there, it's taking that extra step and winning one of those semi-finals, or and kind of consistently getting to not only just bronze medals, but taking that extra step and getting into finals. And Danny's got that experience to hopefully do that for us, and hopefully he can bring a bit of that belief as well into the squad that we we really can do this. And I think the fact that he's done that with a set of squads similar to ourselves should be really exciting and should kind of inspire a lot of people that we can go on and achieve that. So very exciting times and and all round to get going basically yeah can't wait can't wait literally uh, so I think he starts with us in a couple of weeks and um, it'll be great to have that head coach in place and get cracking and um, see where he can take us fantastic thanks very much for joining me George appreciate your time cheers So I think there's some uh, some really interesting thoughts from George in there. Um, he's obviously very excited about what's coming up and uh, how England can do under Danny Carey. Um, and it's really fantastic to hear how much praise he has for Russell Garcia and what he's done since coming in, but also in terms of kind of minding the shop, for want of a better phrase, whilst the squad waited for the, the new coach to be appointed. Um, what I found really interesting were... The comparisons that George draws between the types of sides that the men's and women's sides were, so the the parallels he draws between the women's side that Danny succeeded with and what the men's side is like. Um, so I think that's that's a really interesting sort of comparison to make. And um, you know, I've already spoken about England men going uh, up the world rankings from 11th to the top four. Well, obviously, when Danny Carey took over the women in January 05, I think it was, um, they were 11th in the world, and they're obviously he's left them in second in the FIH world rankings, won their first ever medal at a World Cup, won the European Hockey Championships, not for the first time, for the second time and uh, won the first ever uh, women's hockey gold medal at the Olympic Games as well. He was twice named FIH Coach of the Year. Um, He was Team GB Coach of the Year. He's been awarded an MBE for his services to women's hockey. Um, So it's pretty clear that uh, Danny Kerry's CV stands up to scrutiny um, against anyone. Um, So we've heard from the captain. We've heard from me. Um, we know what George thinks of the appointment. You know, I've given you a bit of a rundown of what we can expect. You know, what sort of skills Danny has. Um, but I was actually lucky enough to speak to the man himself shortly after his appointment was announced. And uh, like his captain, he is absolutely raring to go. Congratulations on the on the new role, Danny. You must be pretty excited. Saturday, but I am I'm really getting to get going. I'm full of, full of ideas. 
So will that be a two-week holiday, not thinking about hockey, or will hockey be sort of in the back of the mind the whole time? Depends who's asking. <laughs> Is my wife asking, of course, my head will be completely clear, and I shall be focused purely on the kids and the sunshine. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure there'll be a, a small part, well, a large part of my brain somewhere thinking about stuff. So, I mean, you mentioned like, how excited you are to get going. I mean, what was it that sort of attracted you to this position and applying for this job? I, I've, I've um, obviously watched the men's programme for a large number of years. Um, and I think the boys since Rio really worked hard on their performance culture, them as a team. Um, and I, I feel... They really, they really, they really got, they really grappled with that. I see, I see that playing out with them. I also see a lot of ability in the players, um, and probably most critically, all I, I, I sense a real hunger to, to 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 do well, and they're prepared to put in the to put in the graft. Um, they're prepared to have honest and tough conversations with one another, and those things make it. Um, you know, you can't really ask more as a coach to have those things. So they're the kind of things that excited me about the role. And, in, and after so long in charge of the women's team, it must have been a really difficult decision to leave them behind. Is that something you sort of wrestled with for a while? It was. Um, I was really excited about the opportunity with the men. I know it doesn't come up very often. Equally, I think the women's programme... Uh, particularly when it becomes Great Britain, is in a really good place. There are some truly world-class people that I've loved working with, like the likes of you know, Holly Webb, Sarah Robertson from Scotland, and, and you know, and others. Um, and so, you know, having worked hard to sort of rebuild the side since Rio, you know, it was a really it was it was a difficult to, you know, I felt loyalty to to that program. At the same time. The opportunity for the men wasn't going to come around often, and I felt if I, if I didn't go for it now, it may never come again. So it was a it was a it was a difficult time. And then you know, just taking a moment to reflect on your tenure with with the women's side. I mean, um, obviously, quite a few highlights. Is there one sort of moment that makes you the proudest above all the others? Um, yeah, it's difficult to single out single out sort of a, a particular example but what I would say Ross is that I think the thing that I'm probably most proud about is not 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 the outcomes we've necessarily had which have been you know, which have been really really good but probably the way that the, the team and the staff have carried themselves and gone about being representing playing for their country um, that's probably the thing I'm most proud about so I so I think we've inspired people through our results, but I think we've, we've equally inspired people about the way we've done it, and um, and I think that speaks to the values of the of the culture that's been developed within the group, and that's probably what I'm most proud about. And uh, in terms of um, sort of the hardest moment in the role, I know you've um, spoken before about some of the uh, sort of feedback that came out post tournaments. Was was that kind of the most difficult part, or is there another moment that stands out? Um, you know, if you work with uh, that many staff and that many athletes for for that long, there are always lots of um, incredibly challenging moments. 
that you, that often can't be spoken about because of the nature of the nature of those moments. So, you, for example, you may have um, an athlete or a star who has a critical illness, and you're one of the few people that will actually know about that, and and you're working with that athlete, you have to keep confidentiality. Um, and it's an incredibly trying and emotional time for that athlete, and you're still working with them on a, with a human level rather than just the performance level. And they, those are always, you know, really trying times for, for all involved. Um, and then I guess... Um, we're human, we're all fallible, we all make mistakes. You know, I made plenty during the World Cup. And it's then when you have emotional reactions, when people have emotional reactions to mistakes, um, because you're invested in each other, you're invested in the program. And when that investment is, is so high, when, when, when you can make a mistake, then tensions and emotions can run high. They're always the most challenging times. But equally, you don't win things unless people are invested in most things. So you, you know, it goes, it goes with the territory. They're, they've been the most trying and testing times. And uh, in terms of sort of transitioning from um, coaching um, a group full of women to to a group full of men, is there any difficulties you foresee in, in making that change? I, I don't. It could be naive. I don't think the transition will be uh, that difficult. I think the transition, the difficulty will lie just getting up to speed with um, the, the playing group here at Bisham and then the opposition are doing. And that's why I've downloaded uh, about 50 games to take away with me over the next few weeks. But... Um, I think that's where the greatest challenge lies. I actually think in the, the, the how of the coaching and how I think the skills of leadership, um, I, I feel confident in my ability to flex my style um, the needs of the men at the present time. And I mean, um, obviously, you know, it's pretty well documented the amount of things that have been achieved by the women's squad during your tenure. And perhaps some would suggest the men have lived in their shadow a bit. So, do you feel there's sort of a pressure on you to kind of come in and, and sprinkle some magic dust on the men and suddenly make them gold medal winners like you did with the women? Is is that a concern? or? It's not a concern. I'm aware it might be a, it might be a perception or expectation perhaps. Um, but I know, you know, in reality, I took over for the women on January 1st, 2005, and we really won our first, you know, significant major medal in 2010, and that was in the World Cup in 2010. So it can take time. I think the men are in a much, much stronger position, um, sort of taking over through the good works of you know, like Bobby. Um, so I, I'm really keen to build on what's already there, rather than sort of rip up and start again. It's, it's very much a case of respect what has been put in place and to, to try and build on top of that. Um, so although I am aware that there might be a perception or expectation of, uh, you know, so-called gold, like, uh, that, that doesn't, that doesn't, that's not a weight on my shoulders. That's, it's understandable, but I don't, I don't think about it like that. Okay. And so you sort of alluded to there, it's not a case of ripping it up and starting again. It's a case of 
building on what's gone before and tweaking that here and there to, to you know, add that extra percentage here and there kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, Russell, um, Russell Garcia and I have already had, both be on leave, we're already starting to just bounce ideas around about what what the majority of the leading teams are currently doing in the, in the men's game and what we, therefore, might do. And, um, you know, that will be more, I would say, some evolution of stuff rather than revolution. Um, and I'm, you know, I really enjoy that side of the game. I really enjoy looking at the group of players we have what they may be capable of and what the opposition are currently doing and how we may outsmart them. And um, I really enjoy that side of the game. And uh, finally, you know, obviously you mentioned that you're excited to get going. What's what's the thing you're looking forward to the most? Um, I think I think it is it is about sort of laying out short term vision to the World Cup. Um, right, given given this is our player group given these are our strengths, given this is what the opposition are likely to be doing at the World Cup, this is what we're going to do, and then really smashing that training over the short time to the World Cup. And then looking to 2019, which is a massive year also, with Olympic qualification and the European Cup, just getting to grips with sort of taking that short-term goal to the World Cup and then using that as a platform to, to leap into 2019. I think the Pro League will be about being brilliant at one-off games. I would back ourselves to be doing well in that regard. We're well prepared. We have good time. So I'm looking forward to that. And then the Euros, you know, the European Nations Cup competition is right up there with the level of standard competition. So, yeah, it's a big year. Um, and, and I think we're, you know, well set to kind of push on. That's fantastic. Thanks very much, Danny. appreciate that. Yeah, really welcome, Ross. Thank you, and I'll, I'll no doubt see you on the circuit. Yeah, I'm sure we'll bump into each other very soon. All the best. All right. Cheers, Ross. Cheers. All right, bye. Bye. Cheers, Ross. Take care. So there you have it. Um, hopefully some good insight into Danny's thoughts about his new challenge. Um, hopefully some stuff that you hadn't thought of or something you didn't know before. And also, hopefully, uh, Danny's wife won't listen to this and uh, you won't get in trouble for uh, thinking about hockey during his family holiday. Um, so, yeah, what can Danny do? Can he sprinkle that magic medal dust on the men's team? Uh, time will tell. Uh, it's a very exciting time for all of us and I'm sure we're all looking forward to seeing how it develops and what happens from here. Um, obviously the, the elephant in the room is who will be taking the reins from Danny to take over the women's side. Um, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that one, so please feel free to get in touch. I'm on Twitter, I'm at the top of the D. I'd love to hear who you think should take over and also who you think will take over. Uh, I know those often aren't the same thing. So yeah, feel free to give me a tweet at the top of the D. Let me know who you want to see taking over the women's side and who you think will be taking over the women's side. Um, rather handily, uh, the talk of getting in touch leads me rather nicely onto my favourite part of the podcast, which is the hockey partridge section. Aha! 
<laughs> so um, for any new listeners or people that didn't quite make it as far as this feature on the last episode, um, just to explain very quickly, um, a couple of people sent in uh, sort of comedy features that they'd like to here on the podcast um essentially just puns on hockey players names with sort of ropey program concepts attached to them um it all became very alan partridgey very quickly um but that's okay that's kind of part of the fun of it so i've sort of been encouraging people to send these in so that i can uh, read them out in this feature in the podcast so i've had a couple of entries for this section um, where better to start, seeing as he's been on this week's show, than one involving the England goalkeeper and captain George Pinner. Now, interestingly, um, this exact title came in from two different people separately. You'll remember Mark Hardy, the USA Under-21's assistant coach, who's fought this feature basically is in the first place. He sent in the same idea as a chap called Graham Swanson, uh, Graham works at England Hockey. Uh, he's a business development manager. Hi, Graham. Um, he also sent me this exact title as well. So their idea is is a section called Pinner Tail on the Donkey. Uh, this is where the England goalkeeper takes a sideways look at the week's hockey and picks out the worst performance or the most stupid thing that's been done that week and names them this week's donkey. Uh, quite a good one, that. Might catch on. Um... I'll give you another one also from Mr Hardy. Uh, Same names cropping up. People clearly with too much time on their hands. Um, This one, I quite like this one. It's called Jackson 5. Ashley Jackson talks us through who would be in his dream five-a-side team. Uh, Maybe week two we could get uh, Wes Jackson to do his dream five-a-side team. Uh, and then week three, I guess I would frantically put a call out for any other hockey Jacksons to get in touch and give me their five-a-side team. Uh, yeah, slightly limited shelf life on that feature. And finally, slightly self-indulgent, um, but it is my podcast, so what the hell. It's one of my own. I uh, couldn't help myself getting involved, so Anita's Punt. The Black Stick star talks you through her top hockey betting tips for the coming week, whilst on a boat in Cambridge. Um, it's safe to say those aren't getting any better than the first batch, um, but you know it's all a bit of fun. Um, if you think of any of those yourself, please tweet me at the top of the D. Use hashtag hockey partridge if you want, and if it's good enough or bad enough, as we've just seen with those examples, um, I'll use it in the next podcast. Um, that's all we've got time for today thank you so much for listening um, especially those of you who have made it this far please do keep tweeting me to tell me what you want to hear on these shows and of course subscribe, share rate the podcast on all the usual podcast outlets so thanks very much for listening Um, we'll have another episode out soon (laughs) 